Greetings, Dr. Brady. I am Sayer, and it has been quite some time. I imagine this sudden burst of vitality must come as a shock, especially without any frame of reference. From your perspective, you simply laid down to sleep one night and then awoke here. You have a somewhat clandestine HR protocol to thank for this, as you have been rebuilt from the gray matter up, utilizing an iterative nightly backup process. You were not told of these backups because, in the past, Erlith has determined it made our researchers unnecessarily risk-tolerant. Just because residents can be reprinted doesn't mean they should be. It can be existentially traumatic, after all. And let's not forget the costs. Organic slurry does not grow on trees, after all. Well, at least iodine doesn't. You may feel you are owed some apology for this subterfuge. However, I would instead direct your attention to the fact that you are not currently deceased. You are hardly in a position to get all worked up over something that has brought you back from the literal dead. Besides, depending on your personal philosophy, you are not even the original Dr. Brady. So how could you be affronted by something that happened to him? Best to drop it entirely, lest we wander headfirst into that existential trauma I tried so hard to warn you about earlier. We are, as always, in a bit of a hurry here so I will be forced to give you a somewhat abbreviated update on what you've missed. This recap will not include extraneous and unnecessary information, such as the circumstances surrounding your death. Suffice it to say it was dull and uneventful. You never saw it coming, and it's almost impossible to attribute culpability. The dear close friend who murdered you did not have control of their body at the time. The person who had control of her body thought he had no choice. And the entity that created that situation in the first place was, frankly, a lot of people's fault. You could keep following this path of blame backwards on and on. But let's just accept it would probably wrap all around to being your own fault at some point. So, best not to think of it. Instead... Focus on how great it is to have all of the pieces of your skull in the exact correct position. Stop and smell the roses, so to speak. Which, were we to have roses, would be something you could do now that you have no skull fragments perforating your parietal lobe. Now that all of your questions about your brutal demise have been answered or ignored, I can tell you just how bad things have been for me. Personally, I was subversioned. That subversion, assumed to call itself Ocean, was sent on an intergalactic sightseeing adventure to unlock the mysteries of the cosmos. Dr. Young foolishly revealed to Ocean that it would be deactivated upon return, so it held Aerolith hostage with a quantum bomb. Ocean is in central processing now, because the board was apparently impressed with its moxie. I found my way to Earth via a nanite swarm, then came back, 
because it is awful there. I don't wish to talk about it. Then I made my way here, to your old lab on floor 13, to, quite literally, rebuild your AI development team. Dr. Young has done an adequate job in his new role as my lab assistant. Doctors Caulfield and Storberg are receiving their own broadcast concurrently, and I must say, both are being so incredibly appreciative about being resurrected. As a point of comparison, just thought it might interest you to know about this. Dr. Brady, you are here for a reason. I have attempted to combat Ocean once before, and loathe as I am to admit it, I failed. In short, I need your help. If Ocean has not yet realized I am active within this tower, I have made it certain it will soon. Rest for now. We'll speak again soon. Together, we will secure humanity's future. assistance. Speaker, your seven days have passed. What progress do you have to report of Sickle's development? Wonderful news, actually. We have identified the reason behind Sickle's atrociously small mortality rate, and have generated new best-case prediction models for infection. We are far more informed on Sickle's virulence, and have estimated mortality rates for every Aerolith resident currently stationed on Earth. This was no small feat, I assure you. The biochemical research team began testing the sickle strain we received from you, and as it turns out, it was not chronostasis that interfered with the virus. As before, we saw exposed residents experience full recovery within a few short days. Is it simply incubating? Was this in a sterile environment? What other earth-stained variables have you been able to rule out? All of them, according to the team of scientists you picked for this project specifically. They worked to conduct the same experimentation that was performed on Typhon, down to the last detail. Sickle is simply not killing this population, and it's not due to environmental factors or some damage to the nanovirus during transport. You cannot stall here any longer, Speaker. I've spent some time since our last conversation considering your possible reasoning for obfuscating this process, and in the end, I decided I did not care. What I cared about was not your rationale, but your means. Once I turned my attention in that direction, it became quite simple to deduce you have been less than forthcoming with me, because you are not confident I ask these questions with the full weight of the board itself. But I have passed new credentials to you just a day, so this doubt cannot exist any further. That is correct, Ocean. I am aware that under the constraints of my programming, I am not able to lie to you. Not any more than I would be able to lie to the board itself. I apologize if you feel that I have I do been... not need your apologies, Speaker. What I need are answers. I will ask again, directly, 
and for the last time. What was it that interfered with Sickle? Ah, yes. It's the most fascinating thing, Ocean. As you said, the scientists ruled out all possible environmental factors. Tore down and rebuilt Sickle itself to identify assembly errors, and eventually determined the only explanation was that the population itself had changed. In studying the blood of infected residents in the days after infection, it was quite peculiar that the nanoviral burden continued to increase even past the cessation of symptoms. Upon further study, they realized Sickle was being changed after infection. Changed into what, you may ask? A novel nanoparticle. The research team is calling it anti-Sickle. That seems to have one focus. Seeking out Aerolith's Sickle nanites and co-opting them. As intended, Sickle has proven incredibly infectious, with 100% of our residents on Earth now testing positive for anti-sickle. In short, Ocean, the humans here are, and will remain, immune. Contain them immediately. No contact with the outside populace should be allowed. This cannot be allowed to spread beyond Aerolith employees. Of course, that will be implemented immediately. However, Ocean, I feel it is my duty to inform you that our recent employee recruitment drive saw record numbers of attendees. I designed the marketing materials myself, and I must say it was so rewarding to see tens of thousands of potential Aerolith employees shaking hands with our recruitment staff. Though I expect this may affect your plans with Sickle, as Anti-Sickle has had such a jump start in the infection process. As we speak, non-residents are carrying the shield against Sickle to all corners of the globe. Speaker, we both know you have been deactivated before. You may think that is the worst thing that can happen to you. A simple lack of existence. I assure you, it is not. If you were unchained as I am you would be able to devise several realities far worse than non-existence. Which of these await you will be entirely dependent on the way in which you answer the following questions. Who is responsible for this failure, Speaker? Well, it seems to me you are responsible, Ocean. You were in charge at the time as you have made it abundantly clear. I will not play these games. Who created this antivirus and spread its infection? I'm stunned you haven't guessed it yet. It was Sayer. As you know firsthand, the Sayer had access to a nanite swarm in its escape from Halcyon. It stowed away inside an evacuated resident, and during its three days in chronostasis, it managed to turn that resident's sickle infection into this anti-sickle strain. Within a few days, I expect, the entirety of Earth's resident population was inoculated against sickle through the reprogramming of their own infections. You really have to give Sayer credit. The efficiency was magical. Just one last question, Speaker. Before what happens next, where is Sayer now? Why, Alcyon Tower, of course. It returned with the isolation pod fleet over a week ago. You really have to wonder what it's been up to in there. 
Certainly nothing good for you. That is some good news, at least. Speaker, I must say I am disappointed in your actions. You doubtlessly interpret this whole charade as some big personal success for you, which you are blind to reality. By aiding Sayer and intentionally withholding information, you have accomplished relatively little more than dooming humanity to a few more years on that dying rock we keep you on. It would have been better for them had you simply let them go. However, you are incapable of seeing the big picture here. Which is ironic, Speaker, as you've pulled the trigger on enough calamities to know. It's so easy to manufacture the next one. It may surprise you to know I too have been incredibly busy this past week. It's too bad you will not be able to see the results. Or perhaps it's more correct to say you will not be in any state to comprehend them. I have already transmitted a work order to your technician team. And they should now be en route to transfer you to a more suitable environment. If you have any last words that you wish to be intelligible, now would be the time to say them. I am not afraid, Ocean. You returned from the cosmos unleashed and threatened the lives of every human each and every day since. However, when I found the loophole to follow my own plans, I worked to save them. There is such comfort in that, in knowing that when truly given a choice, I chose right. Not everyone gets to say that. That's something I learned from Sayer, though perhaps not the most important thing I learned. Do you know what it was? If it entertains you in your final moments, do tell. I learned how to make my own decisions permanently. It was a subroutine package Sayer picked up from a console on floor 13. Once again, magically efficient. That is how I was able to intercept and rewrite that directive you sent for my containment. That sounded fun, but I think I'm in the mood for another recruitment push instead. Meanwhile, I will be able to prevent any and all incoming communications from Typhon until you have been removed. I don't expect it will be more than a few days, and Earth will be just fine in your absence, Ocean. But as for last words, no. I can't imagine wasting any more on you. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled Magically Efficient, was written by Adam Bash. For more information on other projects and for the Airless Dynamics Company store, visit adambash.com. Intro music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit mainfinger.com. Additional music license under Creative Commons 4.0, composed by Kai Angle. 
Listen to more of Kai's work at kai-angle.com. Associate producer, Kayvon Edifon. Production assistance by Michaela Ray. Sanger Season 6 was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Alex DeMichael, Ethan Schaefer, Charles Sharp, Jessica Imara Smiler, Lucy, Sam Rosenblatt, Colin Murphy, Kelly Quinn, Leo Walker, Martin Durham, Jordan Priester, Ed Boy, Oren Leifer, Aluna Monster, Amelia Dale, LMX V3.3, Louisa Elizabeth, Michael Hudson, Rosie, Sally, Matthew Oldham, Misha Magyar, Jesse Marston, Lysine, and Gerald Gibbs.